0: it is the greatest advance in television since color television itself okay boys here we go
1: up everybody and welcome back to not a bomb watches cowboy bebop this is episode eight and i am one of your hosts brad anderson and with me as always is the man that will shoot you down with his love gun baby troy sour troy thank you for joining us how are, are you doing sir are,
2: are we doing like kiss references today is that what Let's we're going for you yeah. yeah
1: good good job you got the kiss reference well, i love
2: kiss are you kidding me i, just, I know you. I just saw I kiss in concert
1: like two weeks ago heck yeah man it's kind of it's kind of like that's why i picked that for your intro sweet yes thank you um and also with us you know he packs a chainsaw he'll skin your ass raw and if his day keeps going this way he might break something tonight he is sammy and he is from the ggtmc sammy
0: how are you i'm good i'm good if i'd have known you were gonna give me that intro i would have shaved off everything except the chin there
1: oh yeah (laughs) or your backwards hat
0: yeah or my backward yankee hat. (laughs) yes i would have done that
1: you were technically still on hiatus, but
2: we—you can't seem to get away from us. So
0: no, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the most busy person on hiatus. <laughs> I, hate, I know, I know. I've ever been. I like no, your, I mean, like your you know, hiatus. Yeah. Well, the scheduling is just—you know—that's the reason for the hiatus. So, in case anybody's listening to this who listens to the GGTMC, if I can, if we can ever get the scheduling under control, we'll be back. Yeah, you guys got some weird hours, man. Just weird.
2: Weird <laughs> hours. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes.
0: I mean, I, I keep weird hours anyway. You do. Uh, You'll text uh, at like 4.15 in the morning. It's I, like, know, I know. And I'm like, oh, surely everybody's up at this time. Of yeah. course, yeah. And the sun will be up for another three
1: hours, but sure, I'll text yeah. these people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do keep weird hours, but uh, I'll be honest with you, recording at 4 a.m. Is, is, is not optimal. So I don't know how your brain
2: functions that early in the morning to talk about anything like pop pop culture related. I mean, I'm just in survival mode at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that I wake up kind of ready to go.
2: I I do, but not that ready to go. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, I wake up ready to go, just like you know, it's like you wake up with that rudder sticking up. You know, you know what I'm talking about.
2: Sure. Okay. Is that, is that another uh, Kiss reference?
1: Yeah. <laughs> love God. Love God. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Wake up with my rudder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, if Paul Stanley wrote a song about his rudder. That that sounds like,
2: that seems like something that Paul would That do. sounds more like a Gene Simmons uh, song. Ah. When, we start,
0: when we start saying his rudder, it does sound more disturbing now that I say it out loud like that. Yes. Yes. Like Finger Tunnel. Finger tunnel. (laughs) Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's let's not waste any more time. Cool. We're here to discuss Cowboy Bebop in session 15, My Funny Valentine, in session 16, Black Dog Serenade. Uh, The summary for My Funny Valentine is Faye recounts her awakening from a cryogenic freezing and a man, Whitney, who helped her before dying. Jet, however, arrives on a ship, having caught him for a bounty. Faye now needs to know what was real. Troy, I'm gonna start with you. Give me your initial thoughts on my funny Valentine.
2: I will just go ahead and call this a tier one episode. I really had a
0: lot of fun with it. Um you being a Faye person now. I, I thought of you a lot watching this.
1: Well, it's he, he is the Faye of our trio,
0: so yes, yeah, true. N- naked, naked and wit. That's all of you. <laughs> the only thing
2: missing from this uh, episode was handcuffs, but, um,
0: and it's surprising. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know. It here. Here's the thing that I've noticed. And I, I, I think this was the episode where it just kind of clicked with me why so many people will go back and rewatch this series. So I know Brad, you've, you've gone through this series. I don't know how many times, three or four times where you've watched it, you know, over and over. Yeah. And what I'm, I'm starting to discover is this, the series is very good about taking individual stories and you can have an episode and it's fun on its own. And I was thinking back to the um, two parter that sort of ends the, the first season and Faye sort of, I think reacts in such a way that's a little bit surprising and it starts this rift or split, you know, between the crew but then when you go back and see this episode and you kind of get her backstory, because this is an entire episode sort of dedicated to Faye and her backstory. All yeah, of a sudden. I, I think
1: this is the, the first time a, an episode has been dedicated to someone's backstory so heavily.
2: Yes, because everybody else kind of um, stakes uh, just really isn't in this thing for the first half. And then they come, you know, and play a, a much more important role in the second half. But what I what I liked about this is as I'm watching the episode and, and I'm just really into the story because I think it's pretty interesting because you find some details out like, you know, she 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 was in uh, what frozen for 54 years because of an accident. At the time, they couldn't uh, they couldn't fix her. And so she comes out of it. But as a result, you know, a decided. quote
1: unquote accident. We'll get into that.
2: Yeah. Later. So um you end up uh as a side effect like not knowing who she is and i love this sequence where you know the the insurance adjuster um well that's how he presents himself at the beginning is is asking her what all these things are and she's like well yeah that's a telephone and this is that and she gets it all wrong because she doesn't understand you know time has passed uh, to the extent that it has But what I loved about it is as soon as the episode's over, like the light bulb started going off and I'm like, Ooh, I want to go back to this other episode because I think this starts to explain some of that neurosis that you were seeing. And at the time of that episode, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But as you go through this series uh, in this order that they presented with all the sessions, all of a sudden her character not only becomes deeper and more interesting, but then I feel like I am immediately going to go back and watch this series after we're done with it because now with all this new information, I want to apply this new perception on my second watch and, and kind of watch her interactions knowing this backstory, if that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah, this this episode was kind of the, I don't know, epiphany where I'm like, oh, I totally understand why Cowboy Bebop fans will go back and watch this series like over and over again or at least watch it like a second time because this series is really good about keeping you engaged and it gives you. I mean, I thought this, this story was kind of interesting um, because it, it's it's Faye being conned and it starts to explain her trust issues and Um, her inability to make connections, et cetera. And then plus you, you never really understand until this episode that she's trying to figure out like who she is. So she has all of this confidence through most of the series. And then you come to this episode and find out, man, it's, it's all just a facade, which I thought was pretty interesting. But yeah, I, right out of the gate, I'm like this, this is, I feel like this show is really firing on all cylinders when the character is at the core of a story um, because there's some interesting characters here and there's an interesting villain but you know when when that character is at the core of the story this thing just um i I don't know you you just can't look away it's so good
1: yeah uh sammy what about you
0: i want to make sure you can hear me you can hear me right because my mic's kind of weird yep okay good (laughs)
1: 10-4 good buddy
0: Okay. Um, I like this episode a lot too. I don't know if I felt like it was a uh, tier. I'm kind of. It's another one of those ones where I'm kind of based. I'm kind of in that weird zone with the tier one, tier two, and that I liked it uh, a lot, but didn't love it. Um, but I did like seeing all this stuff about Faye, and she is. Qu- <laughs> As much as she seemed like a an object of desire in some weird way for so many episodes, or maybe a distraction sometimes, um, she's a deeper character. And I like how they've kind of handled that uh, surprisingly well, considering how much skin they show of Faye so often. Uh, it would be easy to kind of like even just look at the stills on IMDB for this and think, oh, yeah, it's definitely Japanimation. It's definitely anime. Uh, but it's a little deeper than that. I mean, it's 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 got some sensual and kind of salacious kind of stuff going on there. But it's not tasteless, if that makes sense. Um, and I think I, I like that. It's adult themes. The show seems to be heading, you know, I guess this would technically be the second season. But it seems to be heading into a more, it seems to be maturing into a more adult-themed show. Um I say that because I know we'll talk about it probably more when we talk about the next episode, which I just watched an hour ago. But um, yeah, it's been one of them kind of days. But uh, <laughs> but you want to uh, break something tonight? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk about the he said, she said. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, um, I, I I liked. I liked a lot of elements of it, but it, it kind of felt. It's kind of one of those weird episodes that felt kind of wacky too. Like it felt kind of, kind of off kilter. And I don't know why those those. I don't know why I want this show to be so serious sometimes. Um, I just want to say that I I don't I don't know what it is about me sometimes I wonder because sometimes there's certain things. I guess it's just a subjective thing, for all of us. But there's moments when I want this show to be dark. And it seems to me like I enjoy it when it's at its darkest. Now, there are some dark elements to this story. Obviously, she's been frozen for 54 years. That's pretty dark. Yeah. Um, but And the doctor is a pretty dark character. No pun intended there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I realized when I said it out loud that some people might take that the wrong way. That's not what I mean. But, I mean, it's just like, you know, an evil doctor type of thing. And then you get this bounty hunter guy. So, my favorite aspect of this story is... This, I don't know if he's a bounty hunter or what he is. This guy that takes her on.
1: He's a lawyer, right? Isn't um, he a lawyer? Yeah. Whitney? I
0: don't know. He, he just seems like a grifter altogether. Yeah. He, yeah.
2: He's a lawyer for the insurance. He's a lawyer. At first, you think he's working for yeah. the insurance company as a representative. Then he's a lawyer. But I, I agree with Brad. He, you know, towards the second half of the episode, when he gets his fat implants, you're like, oh, he's a grifter. <laughs> Which fat implants had me chuckling <laughs> yeah, the whole I mean, time. Yeah.
0: To me, that's what he felt like. He felt like a grifter more than anything. Like yeah. he just kind of moves around and he does whatever he can do to survive. And um, I liked his character a lot. And I don't know why, because usually those kind of skeevy characters, like I don't really, I, I don't identify with him. But I think I like that he's so full of well, crap. I mean, he's just totally full of it. And that was a nice touch for this character because. When we first see him he's kind of he's almost kind of debonair. He's almost kind of like this he sim, I mean for an animated character this kind of good looking kind of macho kind of manly character. Almost basically like any stereotype stereotypical anime character. Yeah. But then when from we, what I
1: from what I've read he was supposed to be based off of George Clooney like his look.
0: Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> I mean I guess I can see it. Um but I like the, the arc of his character, and I like how it related to Faye, and I like the comedy that came from their banter. Um, I like the episode quite a bit. I just, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's a tier one episode. I think it's one I'd have to watch again, but I, it's still really good. And uh, I know we say this, and I know we probably sound like a broken record at this point, but I am continually surprised by how this show manages to kind of reinterpret itself. Um, because I really thought on surface, I knew what the show was and I'm continuing to find out that I have no idea what the show is and, uh, I can see why it's become the kind of cult show it has.
2: Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing. I, I guess what I really love about this show is you think you've got a character pegged just because of all the other, you know, media that you watch or stories, et cetera, and I'm with you, Sammy. I'm surprised that it seems like every so many episodes somebody comes up with a bit of information or acts in such a way and it doesn't seem like it's going against the base character. It seems like it's adding this extra layer of authenticity, but also questions. So I, I, I'm just constantly amazed at how good the writing is because you get I don't know. It's, it's like peeling back an onion, right? You get another layer, another layer, another layer, and you think you've got these people figured out and you just don't. But what's amazing is you get to that fourth or fifth layer. And then all of a sudden that layer that you, you know, peeled back four or five layers ago, it makes sense now, like why that's there. So I, I just, um, I'm becoming more, well, I mean, when we talk about the next episode too, th- these characters, I'm just becoming more and more fascinated with. So, uh, I, I, I know we might talk towards the end about the new trailer and some of the live action stuff, but I can totally see like of all of the, I don't know, pop culture stuff out there or franchises, et cetera. I can totally see why some fans might get upset about a remake or reimagining or something else. Because if you've watched this series multiple times, you get that close and and the writing is so good with these characters I could totally understand why you feel, I don't know, violated that somebody would come along uh, and try something different because I, I don't, I don't know. I'm The, the other thing I kind of recognize about this episode is I don't know if I'm going to like the, the, whatever Faye that comes with the live action one, because I really like this character. I, I think this character is super deep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, initially for me, I remember kind of being blown away, not blown away. That's a bit of a stretch. Just liking the the sort of the sci-fi tropes that go on early with this episode. You have cryogenic sleep, and you have memory loss. Like all those are sci-fi tropes. Um, And then you have like this weird sort of point of view from Faye looking down with the doctor, like kind of up in her breast a little bit. And immediately you know that that guy's no good. Like, yeah. is a
0: He's not up in him a little bit. He's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's all over. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: He could. He could lick those beads of wetness off there. Oh, oh <laughs> so gross. Fifty-four year old defrost.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Shoot, boy. <laughs> Just imagine, like how like. Oh, I did. I. Slept, <laughs> I remember. Oh I remember like being in college or being you know younger and sleeping for like twelve hours and like. Oh. When you got up, you're like, my body hurts so much because I haven't moved for 12 hours. Could you imagine what you would feel like after 54 years? I I don't know, but anyway, um,
0: a combination of 54 years, your body's aching, and it's potentially there's a potential that your skin tastes like freezer burn. So if you ever had like like freezer burn, meat. Yeah. oh yeah,
1: is- yeah, yep. yep. Um,
0: Whatever.
1: I, I also think I also call this the episode of assholes, like. <laughs> Everyone in this episode, besides Faye, is a huge asshole, um, and they're trying to take advantage of her. Which kind of makes me wonder. So, do we think that Faye actually had an accident, or are they just scam? Is this just a huge con? Well, they to make get money out of her.
2: They make reference to the astral gate, like she's a victim of an astral so of her, gate explosion. So,
1: so all, which means like all of her records are destroyed. So there's no way to really go back and look. So they've had this girl who they're able to cryogenically freeze, tell her that she was in an accident. Well, They say that they didn't know that amnesia was a side effect, but I think it's kind of hinted that they kind of knew, but maybe not as much, but, um, they were able to sort of just be like, Hey, now you owe us all this money. Um, plus all the juice it has been running for 54 years, which is nice to see that, you know, healthcare costs um, in the future are still going to be, you know, putting people in debt forever, which, you know, that's comforting yeah. to know. Yeah. Um,
0: Makes you I, think that outer space is going to be ran by Americans. Oh, wow. yes. Yep. And yeah, she inherits hope. the
2: debt from the guy who supposedly, yeah. you know, ends which, up yeah. in the car cars.
1: I have a problem with that. And we <laughs> should have gotten Jose to to to, uh, <laughs> to help us with this, but I don't think she's under any sort of condition to be legally bound to this debt to be bequeathed this debt because she is not of sound mind and body when she takes on this debt, the guy essentially does it for her. So I don't think legally that he has a ground to stand on with that. So I noticed that this time. Yeah. It's just like they are, they're literally trying to con this woman. Um, And it, it, immediately it comes to a point where we know why Faye has all these trust issues, especially with men, uh, that's, you know, she, she wakes up, has no idea what's going on. There's this man who is much older than her that she needs. Cause when she wakes up, she has nothing, knows nothing. There's a guy there who is inspired by George Clooney. Um, he is significantly older than her and, um, he kind of takes her under the wing and then there's that weird scene where she's buying a dress and he's looking at her. So like fondly. And it's like, dude, you're, you're her dad. Okay. You're her dad. I know she's plus 54 years old, but she's essentially 20 at this yeah. time. So yeah. stop it.
0: Uh-huh. Um I, I got to ask, is this, is this ER George Clooney? Is this I, I,
2: Syria, sure.
0: Syria, George Clooney or whatever. Like, what it? Siriana? Serenana No, no, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think what, what Clooney is this? Because I'm, I'm running images of him through my head and I don't know where I'm getting, I don't know where they're getting the Clooney from.
1: It's Batman and Robin. It's, he's got the bat nipples. <laughs> Batman, oh boy.
2: Well, I, I have a question for you guys. So I love Spike's reaction because she's, she's telling this whole story to Ayn, which I like. I, I like that she's going, I mean, she's trying to make sense of this by talking to a dog, right?
1: Yeah. And, and we've all done that
0: before.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: Good. 20 minutes ago, I did it.
2: Yeah. So, uh, and Spike comes out and she's like, well, how much do you hear? And he's like, well, pretty much all of it. And his knee-jerk reaction is, I I don't believe any of it because listen to all of the stuff you told me about your past before.
1: Actually, the line goes, she goes, how long were you in there listening, Spike? He said, too long. Your story needs editing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and I like his reaction to it, but I also like how when they discover, you know, the, the bounty that Jet brings back is this guy with fat implants and Faye recognizes him, that they've got her figured out and is basically like, no, 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 she's not going to act this way. Don't worry about it. And she does the thing that they don't expect. And then Spike is out there chasing after her, almost trying to shoot her down or disable her. So, you know, they can get the bounty. But I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's, it's, to Sammy's point earlier, I didn't expect the second half of this to play out the way it did.
1: I I think Faye reacts because we've known her to be kind of flighty and we know they have a past. So initially when I saw this episode, I was wondering, okay, is she going to turn him in? And I I kind of logic my way into saying, I think what she was doing was if he would have, been able to provide some information about her past, maybe she would have let him go. But he doesn't know anything about her essentially at all. And she's basically kind of out for revenge at that point in time. And he's no good to her now. And so they get whatever small bounty they get from him. But yeah, I, I, I think if he would have been able to enlighten her on any sort of past of hers, she might have let him go. But other times, I think maybe she wouldn't have because this guy literally took advantage of her and passed all of his debt to her on top of the debt that she already had, and that's why we know like she goes gambling and does all this stuff. So um, it, man, it really fleshes out this Faye character a lot. Um, it does. Yeah. I I honestly think this is like one of my right now where we are now this is like a top five episode for me i i love this episode and i think it it does something to a character like sammy was saying it would be so easy just to make this the superficial you know anime girl character but she is so deep and has so much going on that you kind of where we are 15 episodes in, you're like, this is the most complex character in the show that we know so far. And, uh, you know, Faye might be my favorite character. Um, so to have a character that you initially see, like Sammy was saying in screenshots, you're like, Oh, I know that character. But when you invest time with it, you're like, Oh no, this character is way different than I would have ever expected. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she looks in screenshots and then on the surface, you know, I thought, you know, I've seen this in Overfiend, right? <laughs> A little yeah.
2: different. L- d- totally <laughs> different. I love that she, uh, at the end, draws eyebrows on Ayn with that black marker. Like, she, oh, yeah. I love that, too. That was, well, yeah, because that
1: was like her whole catalyst for the story is that Ayn looked like Whitney. Yeah. Um, and that was why she kind of kicked off this memory of of this guy, which is funny. So,
2: Well, and it, it makes like, sense based on her and Whitney's uh, exchange in the prison, and her reaction to what he says to her. And so, uh, I, I don't know. It's just that term chef's kiss, like that, that little image of her taking a nap, I'm taking a nap with eyebrows that she drew on him. I'm like, that's perfect. I mean, it's, it's those little things that this series does that if you're not paying attention, you're missing out on the, the, the nuances that sort of enhance the story that's, that's being told.
0: Yeah, it's like most things with a dog, it, you tend, you kind of find out that the dog is the most sane character on the on, <laughs> possibly the, the show. smartest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Edward's still kind of hanging out being yeah. kind of funny like the the whole fish thing, I thought was pretty funny yeah. at the very beginning. Um it, you know, we've come to know this show to revolve around Spike and Spike like literally is pretty much nowhere to be found in this episode for the first, you know, 14, 15 minutes. And then at the end, he kind of comes along. But this is a Faye episode.
2: Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I would have thought that initially. But when you take a step back and look at how many episodes we've seen, this has done a really good job of giving equal weight to all the characters. Because I would have been with you like, hey, if you if you were just talking the first five episodes, this is sort of a spike and jet kind of thing.
1: But I no, think it's just how it's sold. I think this is sold yeah. as like a like a Spike show um, with these other casts of characters that go along with him. But
2: it's a crew. It's a like it's an ensemble piece. 100%. Ensemble, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of the feel I get from the live action thing, right? I mean, it feels like they might be selling the Spike character more heavily. it for but, me, it feels. Yeah,
1: like. I, I feel like John Cho is like the biggest draw. Everyone. Most people know him. Right. Um, so, you know, he's the biggest name of the show for that character. So, no, I get it. I get why they're doing it. But, man, this is a great episode. Just a great episode. I even, you know, initially when I saw it and the guy escapes and his car blows up, the first thing, because we've seen stuff before, it's like, that guy's not dead. We didn't see him die. <laughs> yeah. We know he's coming back. Um, but did I anticipate him coming back as a fat guy because he got fat <laughs> implants? No. No. Like, that's just like, okay. To Sammy's point, like, sometimes it goes a little absurd, but that was just kind of awesome. I loved it. He
0: ate the same cat food that fat cat ate. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't floating (laughs) in space. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: I I, I didn't even catch up. I got to be honest with you. I missed the fat implants. I didn't even think about it. I just thought maybe he got older because you are kind of playing with time here and i thought maybe yeah. he just ate a lot of cheeseburgers or something you know I only
1: didn't. 3 only 3 years had passed so he was living life well yeah. if, you know he kind of got that plump <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, boy well give me give me 3 years and let me have free reign challenge accepted <laughs> 3 uh, years I can, I can do a lot of damage in 3 yeah. years say me awesome. too i know i can you got that
1: cheeseburger with the grilled cheese bun tempest. Yeah, you <laughs> Yeah. Bad your heart will explode, but you know, one or the other, we'll go for it. Oh, yeah. Um, Duck
2: fat tots and that cheeseburger and apple pie every day. Oh, yeah. I look <laughs> like that guy in like a year.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mil- milkshakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ooh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Does
1: anyone else have anything to say about this episode? Because I really want to talk about the next one.
2: Let's go.
1: Okay. Good. Uh, the next episode Black Dog Serenade. Jed and his old. ISSP partner team up to take a prisoner transport ship that has been overtaken by the prisoners. Uh, One prisoner aboard has a history with Jet. Jet finds out he he was really uh, how he really lost his arm and how and why his partner betrayed him so many years before. This episode is called Black Dog Serenade, a.k.a. Con Air. Um, Because this (laughs) is literally Con Air, but uh, yeah. It is. Uh, Sammy, I will start with you this time. What are your initial thoughts on Con Air, Cowboy Bebop style?
0: Well, so this one, uh, this is a Jet Black episode, so in a way. And yeah, no, it, it mostly is. It is. And uh, I was immediately drawn to that because he tends to be my favorite character on the show. Um, and it's it's another one of those kind of romantically... Violent and kind of morose, melancholy type episodes. I'm try to use. I'm gonna try to drop as many words as I can. Hey, like a
1: thesaurus over here. (laughs) But hey, Siri, what's another word for sad?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Go on, Professor. Don't listen to him.
0: (laughs) It's Sammy. (laughs) No, the uh, it's um it's it's one of those episodes that I really enjoy. So this one really kind of ups the ante on. On uh, the violence a little bit, I think this is the most bloodshed we've seen. Maybe.
1: Oh, when that guy gets his throat cut, I mean, he is a gusher.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's it's uh as we used to say on the uh, the uh, gentleman guide to midnight cinema, the show that's on hiatus. Uh, you know those high pressured Asians. Uh, <laughs> that's what he was because uh, the blood just sprays out of his neck.
1: It was a very uh, like crazy eighty eight fight thing going on there.
0: So I like the kind of film noir elements again, kind of creeping back into the uh, the show. It's really nice. The flashbacks are good. We get to see Jet Black, uh, a non cybernetic Jet Black. Uh, so it's it's very cool that he's managed to keep the same beard over the years because that's a pretty interesting way to grow a beard. I've I, I've often thought maybe I could pull that off. I just got. I get think that. you
2: can. I, you know, the more I look yeah. at uh, this, yeah. I I think you should start you know shaving your beard that way.
0: And trimming bonsai trees and you know, yeah yeah um it, it's it's an interesting episode because we're introduced to this partner I think his name's fad I believe uh I think I thought it was Tad when I was watching the show, but I think it's fad.
1: Yeah, and then it's weird because on the subtitles, I believe they call him fat. Um, but it's fad f A D. Okay. <laughs> Or a.k.a. But, Harvey Keitel. I mean, yeah, I think yeah, it was Harvey Keitel.
0: Immediately when I saw him, I was like, hey, it's Harvey Keitel. <laughs> that was my first thought. And uh, he, he looks a wolf. lot like him. Yeah, he looks a lot like him. And this is another interesting thing about the show. Um, they kind of take creative license with timelines and fashion and things like that. That's something we don't really talk about much, but it seems like wherever they go, some people are kind of dressing like, I mean, Fad is still dressing like a, 1940s or 50s private eye. Uh, But Jet Black is a cybernetic ex-cop now slash bounty hunter. So it's like he clearly has not moved on or he (laughs) lives in some area where, you know, that is the way the world is. And Jet Black's went out there and, you know, he's listened to too much Kiss or something. (laughs) And uh, now he's dressing like a wild man. Like those hot MILFs at the Kiss concert. That's right. Uh, (laughs) nothing wrong with that no no um show me your aarp card (laughs) that's right (laughs) show me your finger tunnel uh, oh boy (laughs) the uh anyway um i like the again there's a romanticism to the violence here and almost a it's almost a heroic bloodshed type thing again it's kind of crept back into the show here and the bad guy is we don't know we don't learn a lot about him. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'd, I'd have to. Is it is uh anybody? You die. You die. Is that his yeah, name?
1: You, yeah, you die.
0: You die. Yeah. Yeah, you die. I get it. The um, he is maybe one of the more sinister characters that has been on the show. I mean, he seems like a, just an outright killer. Like you don't get a whole lot with him but it seems like all he enjoys doing is killing and there's a really great moment with him in the beginning
1: and And, wasting Don Perry on.
0: Yeah. wasting some Don Perry on and then uh, dealing with a bunch of uh, prisoners who don't have any teeth and uh, this cargo ship that is, it's a misguided plan altogether. And then jet black gets involved and he, and we find out something, we find out a little bit more about jet black again. Again, this show is interesting. I I keep thinking that I'm going to watch the show and it's going to progress their story forward. But it seems like all we're really doing is kind of learning more about these characters every week. And obviously they're building, or at least I think, this is my theory, that they're building toward this big climax with our main heavy. Now, I could be completely wrong about that, but it seems like because they kind of take a breath and they step back and they have these little episodes where they give us a little bit more of each character's origin a little bit more of each character's past and they round out these characters more and more and more it seems like they're building toward this big thing that by the time we get to the end we will really care about these characters and what may happen and i don't know i can't get a feel if it's going to be tragic if it's going to be heroic if it's going to be tragically heroic (laughs) I, i mean i just can't get a feel for it right now but i i I, I, I still think that's an interesting way to do a show um, because a lot of shows, you know, they, a lot of shows are situations, right? Not just sitcoms, but even hour-long dramas or even like something like Firefly, something you guys have talked about a little bit when you talked about Serenity. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a mission each week, right? And these guys kind of do on Cowboy Bebop, but they kind of don't. They kind of just fall into things a little bit. And uh Yeah, they happen upon things. Yeah. And it's interesting that the things they fall into tend to be things from their past. It's kind of an interesting touch. And I, I really like that.
1: It's kind of like it's hard to escape from your past.
0: Well, nobody nobody ever truly hey, that does. sounds uh <laughs> that sounds ominous.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Nobody ever really truly does. Um, but I, I really this is this is a tier one episode for me. And this is one of my favorite episodes. So it's very clear to me at this point that Jet Black is the character that I most identify with. Because when he takes center stage, I really perk up. The bat nipples perk up quite a
1: bit. (laughs) You should get one of those private eye hats, and then we can just call you. You
0: need a fedora, man. Yeah. Yeah, fedora. Yeah. I think I had one at one point. You know, that's one of those things. Let's talk about
1: it. Oh, let's so let's dive
0: into this. It's Indiana Jones. You know, we all grew up with that. Yep, had a fedora. So, um, yeah, it was. Do you have a man big. satchel? <laughs> I do, but I don't wear it on the outside. I <laughs> you walked right into that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the older I get, the more that thing's a satchel. Let me tell you, it's, it's not a purse. <laughs> Uh, it started out as a coin purse. It's changing now. <laughs> you can put documents in it now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like one, one
0: terabyte. Down here. Um, anyway, Um. Uh, but yeah, fedoras are one of them things where you think they look cool on you, but they don't work on everybody. <laughs>
1: no, That's why Harrison Ford was so good as Indiana Jones. Cause when yeah. you wore that hat, you're like, oh, Maybe yeah. I could wear a fedora and look cool. No, oh, Harrison hey. Ford is the only person to ever look cool in a fedora. I got
2: mistaken for Harrison Ford all the time when I wore my Indiana Jones fedora. So yeah, I I, I made it rock.
0: It's uh, I had one. I think, uh, like I said, I mean, I I can remember being my son's age in sixth grade, and I wanted to be an archaeologist, and I wanted to have a fedora, and a man satchel, and a uh, whip. you know, a, you had to have a whip. The whip, yeah, a whip, yeah, yeah, because you know. Movies had informed me that this is what archaeologists do. Yep, they don't sit around, and, you know, scrape rocks for twelve hours a day. I was I was down the same path
2: until I, I saw Shokasugi. and then it was in. I I was going to grow up to be a ninja, so I Harrison Ford could eat it. You should gonna, have
0: been, yeah, he should have been an archaeologic archaeological ninja. That mm. would have that, there. There's a movie in there. Right? Yeah,
2: I like that. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. Okay, that I'm was, in.
0: But no, I I did. I really liked this episode. This would definitely be in my top five so far into this. I, I really love Jet Black, and uh, there's there's a moment of kind of somber. Uh, there's a moment where he almost feels like he might not come back that I liked, and I I thought that was kind of interesting. So that that that's what kind of made me think that maybe we're heading toward some type of tragedy, but maybe. Maybe not. The show is continuing to surprise me. So maybe not. But all I got.
1: Troy, you want to go next?
2: I mean, I agree with everything. Sammy said that out of all of the episodes, this is the most film noir. I mean, I think even the flashbacks are black and white, right?
1: Yes. Yes. This yeah. is very, 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 very film noir. Yes. Yeah.
2: And, and you nailed it. I mean, this, this is a film noir version of Con Air. Um, there's, there's even little hints of Les Samurai in there. Uh, yes, the
1: ending is very Les Samurai.
2: Yeah. Quentin Tarantino feels like he might've watched this episode. I don't know. I, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the fact that again, it's another example of, I can't figure out why Jet would make some choices. So I can't remember the episode with the chess master where instead of blackmailing the company, they basically come back and say, you just need to leave this guy alone because that's Bohemian
1: Rhapsody. That was literally last. Okay, one.
2: literally last one. Yeah. So he, you know, Jet basically says we're not going to blackmail. He's not going to cost you anything except leaving the old guy alone because that's Ed's chess partner. So if if there is one episode that kind of hammers home how important loyalty and a connection and everything it is to Jet, I think it's this one because when he discovers, you know, spoiler alert, that it was his partner as, you know, that's the reason why he lost his arm and he was betrayed. I've I've never seen sort of an animated sequence where you just kind of feel Jet's pain and just that realization, like, oh my gosh, these people that I depend on and they got my back and everything, they can turn on you instantly for whatever reason it is. But yet again, why I love Jet is he goes through that experience, but still maintains this integrity of I'm still going to support all the people around me. And even with that piece of information, I mean, I'm, I'm so curious now. Uh, this is the episode where I'm like, well, where does Jet's character go from a trajectory standpoint? Now that he realizes like one of his closest partners that he's worked with um, has done this to him and he's the cause for it. Does that now affect any decisions going forward um, because his idealistic relationship goal it was just shattered, right? And so now, you know, he saw Spike just leaving on dying because of Julia. Um, Faye will leave because of the things that she's going through. And, you know, Jet has had this history where his girl left and now his partner Lee Jet and all of his relationships have been broken, and yet he is still like the glue that keeps this crew together. And I'm wondering with this new realization, is that going to affect things going forward? Like that that's one of the questions I had walking out of this episode was, man, this guy has a history of broken relationships, but he's still, he's still bringing everybody together. Mm. And I'm wondering if it's because he had faith, like, well, I've got this partner I worked with, and he's never, you know, screwed me over. And then all of a sudden he finds out, well, the reason why I don't have an arm anymore is because of this guy. Well, that, yeah. was, that was like his... L- I don't know. That was like his Holy grail of relationships. And that was the last one he probably had. And, that, and that's broke, right? Cause he's already seen everybody else flake out on him. So I'm, I'm like so excited to get to the next few episodes because I'm wondering if the writers are now going to use that information and jets now going to act different as a result of that information.
1: Yeah. It, it, it definitely makes you wonder where this goes from here. Um, when, my interpretation of when Jet leaves is not that he's abandoning and he's never going to come back to the bebop is I truly think he, he might be one up and killed. Yeah. That's um, oh, kind of what yeah. I took. Yep. Um, and, you know, rightfully so he believed this guy, you know, took his arm. So what, you know, what more can he take? Um, I think the betrayal, um, is played really nice. I love the violence in this um, episode because we've, we've come to it's, this thing's got a lot of violence going on, but usually it's a little bit more off screen. I mean, when they cut that guy, he gushes blood for literally, it feels like 10 seconds. Um, (laughs) And then of course uh, when the bad guy gets shot, you know, it's like, Blood like all over the screen and it's very visceral and it's almost shocking for the show. Cause we've been 15, this has been 16 episodes in, you know, most of it's been pretty tame. And then all of a sudden this one, and it makes you wonder like why the turn on the violence for, for this one. And are we getting prepared for maybe more violence coming towards the end because we've only got after this, we've got nine episodes left or, Ten episodes left, really, um, before we end this thing. And is the show preparing us for violence and lots of it? So, um, yeah, you know, we we've got back to back episodes where we learn a lot about the past of characters, and you know, that's going to affect them going forward. Um, just because you know, it, it it's hard for characters to be betrayed. Um, like they have been and treat the people that are around them the same. And um, it's funny Faye's episode was, here's an explanation on why she is this now. And then this one is here is jet learning something that is going to affect him going forward. So it's funny how they, they, they kind of give people a, you know, a backstory, but one person it's, Here's why they are now. Jets is gonna be more so going forward. So yeah. I I, I kind of
2: but but in both episodes, like the, the thing that struck me as odd, and I and you know, you probably guys probably watch way more TV than I do. I mean, I'll get around to a TV show, but it takes me forever. But I'm never all that excited about running into and I know everybody says, well, today's like the golden age of television between the Netflix series and Hulu and everything else you get all this great product. And, and I do agree with that. There's some great shows out there, but the tension and kind of wrapping up or kind of, I don't know, upping the thrills is always coming from plot and twists and everything else. What I find so unique about this is the, the story, the way it's working is it is ratcheting up the tension and even a little bit of dread and like, where's this going? as a result of the character development more than the story. So the way you were talking earlier in the last episode, Sammy is it's really interesting how this kind of takes a breather and it's like, we're going to tell you about this character. Um, and to your point, Brad, it's like, well, this is where the character was and and here's what makes him up now. And then jet is, well, we're now into a current event and these things happen as a result of his past. But in both scenarios, this series has managed to, I don't know, amp up the tension, at least for me, not from a plot twist over the overarching story or as vicious coming back or anything else, but it's, I don't know, it's setting higher and higher stakes and amping up that tension as a result of you getting to know the characters more. And you just don't see that, I, I think, in in television on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, and that... Again, I'm only getting the vibe that dark times are ahead from the way the episodes are building upon each other. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm just curious where it's how it's going to play out. I really am. I mean, I'm not even, like, jumping ahead and reading synopsises of the next episode. Synopsize? I'm, I'm not reading any of that stuff. I'm just kind of, again, like we've talked about, I'm just taking it week by week and uh, letting it kind of wash over me. And uh, it's just a vibe I'm getting, you know, just watching and reading so many stories in my lifetime. (laughs) I could be completely wrong, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah, But I agree with you about something you said there, Troy. A lot of times in modern television, television suffers from the same things that films suffer from right now we're all going through, which is the cliffhanger. Right. Uh, Everything has to have a cliffhanger. And I don't know if that's necessarily uh, necessary. (laughs) necessarily necessary <laughs> take that but, I mean I, I don't I, I, I think sometimes just a good character based show uh, is exactly what you need just to see some just to kind of get a peek into somebody's life or somebody's past or something you can identify with and um, you don't always need a twist or a cliffhanger and, and this show really doesn't it's really only given, given us a couple of cliffhangers yeah right I mean, it really hasn't relied on the cliffhanger at all.
1: Yeah, Jupiter. The end of Jupiter Jazz One, and literally immediately they, you know, <laughs> kind of untwist that in yeah. Jupiter Jazz Part Two. Yeah.
2: Um. Well, and that's that's yeah. when it's not at its best. I mean, when it again, when the character's development is at the core of the stories, they come up with some interesting villains, interesting stories, but they're all sort of character centric. Uh, and, and, Jupiter jazz is a good example of there's great characters being developed uh, around, you know, our main characters here, but when it tries to do that cliffhanger or tries to kind of jam, I don't know, some excitement through a plot point or twist, it's not as powerful as episodes like this one. Um, or even the Faye episode, the one before it, when you're getting to know these characters and, you know, seeing their backstory, uh, in, you know, I don't know, the adversity that they had to go through or what they're going through right now. I mean, that, that's, that's the good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: I, uh, I know that I said last episode was in my top five. <laughs> this can't. one is also in my top five. <laughs> I love this episode <laughs> need, so much. You have like 15 in tra- your top five? Yeah. I have like 15. Yeah. Yeah. 15 episodes in my top five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Look, man, once you go back and you see these, it's, it's kind of hard to separate them. Um, but I, I just love the violence in this one, the jet stuff that we get, Harvey Keitel, Conair. I mean, it's just got it all for me, man. Um, if we only had like a Nicolas Cage guy, then I would be pretty happy. So
0: this is this twenty minutes is better than all two hours of Con Air. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's some pretty cool
2: moments I, in Con Air. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Samuel. I love I really kind of like Con Air, but dude, this is a good twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Con Air, but I don't think I like it for the same reasons you guys like it, or well, for the same reason Brad likes it. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely an ironic watch for me. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Okay. Um, Anything else we want to talk about? Because I think these are both excellent episodes. These are two great episodes. Um, They're a little bit... Sometimes you can come in on an episode and, and not have any sort of history with the show and just watch it and be okay. These, I think, are ones that feel good where they are. And you need to sort of have that history with the the characters to have the impact of these episodes. So I'm,
2: I'm really hoping there's an iron episode devoted to his backstory.
0: (laughs) If you like, if you like Faye in a bathrobe, this is the episode for you. Yeah.
1: She's trying to take a hot shower. She had a
2: line that cracked me up when she was complaining about it. It was something about even the, Buddha loses his patient after the fourth time or something. I mean, yeah. that that line made me laugh out loud. I thought it was funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a well written show too. Like we don't talk about a lot of the stuff about this show. We talk about character development and stuff, but it's also very well written, and the music is spectacular. So you know, it's got any animation is great. So this this show pretty much hits on all cylinders for me.
2: Yeah, that that's Just the only. The oh, go ahead, Sammy.
0: I'm sorry, this is one of the few episodes that doesn't have a space battle. I don't think this one has a space battle, does it? I don't think this one does. I think it, yeah, it
1: like they go think
0: back so. and forth a little bit with the space. Yeah, it does, battle. yeah, does yeah.
1: it? They get the ships to, a, and they, they oh, yeah, shoot no, the rocket no, no, no. it does, it does, it yeah. does. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. sorry,
0: sorry.
1: No, yeah, I mean, the one guy shoots a rocket launcher and the spaceship literally crashes into yeah. it. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right, that's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was something you said about the animation that I'm really kind of excited to go back is... I'm, I'm so into the story and the characters that I'm not paying attention to some of the animation in the background and stuff like that. Like that, that's the other thing. I'm kind of excited to go back and watch this series again, is to pay attention to the animation and the details that are going on on screen, because I feel like I'm so wrapped up into the characters and what's going on. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just not paying attention to the details of the environment. So
1: yeah, I mean, that's natural that happens. But it makes you appreciate the show even more when you go back and see it. And you're like, oh, man, there's way more going on in this show than I that I got the first time. So. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping there's more space floating cats or whatever in the mm. background.
1: That I don't remember. I didn't take a mental <laughs> note of that. But I'm sure there are. Um, okay. So next episode, we are talking about uh, Mushroom Samba, which I believe there's a shroom drug dealing guy in that episode. And then speak like a child. So those are our next two episodes. Oh boy. Um,
2: I'm really intrigued by both those yeah. titles.
1: 17 and 18. So we are getting there to the end. The end will be here before we know it. So oh, man. um yeah. What else is going on, guys? Sammy, you're on hiatus, yet you still yeah. are doing I'm podcasts. on hiatus.
0: So if you guys want to hear me podcasting, I'm uh I'm I'm out there every week, it seems like. So don't
1: worry about it. You were just on on our Blair Witch episode where we went Uh for about two hours and 45 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Uh, It was great talking to Jose uh, and everybody getting to kind of hear the conversations me and him have in person. And uh, obviously being on the uh, show again with you guys was great. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm still out there. I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm, uh, you know, I haven't disappeared.
1: Randy gave us a lot of feedback on that episode, so I'm I'm glad he enjoyed it.
2: Yes. (laughs) Can I, yeah. Can I read one of Randy's quotes there? Please. Okay. My, my favorite line, I think from Randy today was, uh, he put in quotes, the Socratic method is the Jesus footsteps, footsteps of listen here, idiot. And the footsteps were Jose sadly giving Troy a piggyback ride to Troy's position. (laughs) You know, only Randy can phrase something that way. And when he said that, I was laughing out loud um, because I, I love the fact that Jose loves this film. And and I think he is starting like the Adam Wingard uh, fan club. So he should, he should go ahead.
1: I, I, I wonder, I love Jose. The guy loves everything. like, he finds so much beauty in things that are just ugly. But he finds he finds like that nugget of something and just loves it. And I, I appreciate that so much. I can't do that, but I, I love the fact that he can. And, yeah, you um, will
2: never meet a guy that represents like is the living, walking, talking, glass is half full. That's probably one of my favorite traits of Jose. Is yeah, yeah. anytime you hang around with them, instantly you're in a good mood, yes. Be, and and for what he does as a living too, I, I feel like it would like crush my soul, but yeah. for but for him to do that, uh, and find the positive in just everything uh it it's one of the most endearing traits he has and i hell I, he
1: likes army of the dead okay. who likes yeah. army of the dead
2: i don't know but who I, likes
1: sucker punch he was in whoa. that text right he was yeah he was defending sucker punch
0: i like i like sucker punch
1: <laughs> no troy you do not get the hell out of here no <laughs> I, one likes I, Sucker Punch.
0: yeah i do not like sucker punch okay well, okay
1: cool. <laughs> oscar isaacs could not even save sucker punch troy
0: he
2: he probably likes grease too. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Troy. So, awesome. what do we have coming up on our normal show that people can listen to every Tuesday?
2: Oh, uh, well, we just finished Blair Witch, which was our totally epic episode, and um, we're, we're the treats are going to keep coming because we're we talked about the Blob, which was from 1988. And we went through this whole spiel about how 1988 could be like one of the greatest. Uh, years in film history. So next week we're going back to 1988 because we're not done with that. There were so many amazing films that came out that year that unfortunately bombed and the timing couldn't be better because Cassandra Peterson has her memoir like uh, yours cruelly Elvira. And so we're going to talk about um, next week Elvira mistress of the dark, which, you know, full disclosure, I own like five or six copies of that film uh, and, and I absolutely adore it to, to me. It's just, it, it is a visual dad joke and, uh, makes me laugh so hard, but I'm the kind of guy that will sit there and die laughing over like the bazooka Joe jokes <laughs> that you get in the rapper. Yeah. So, you're a laughy taffy guy. I'm a laughy taffy guy, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, talking about Elvira cause we're also going to, um, probably spend some time talking about horror host, uh, which Brad, I know you've had limited exposure to because it Mm -hmm. wasn't as big of a deal. I think you kind of growing up into horror films, whereas for Sammy, I remember I I was
1: more of a, I was more of a nineties kid. You were nineties.
2: Yeah. Whereas, um, Sammy and I are eighties kids and horror hosts, um, were, were kind of part of, I don't know, the initiation of a certain kind of horror film. So we're going to, we're going to spend some time on that because I, 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 we're just going to have fun talking about Elvira horror hosts and then. Um, you know, cheesy 80 films,
0: yeah. I can remember Elvira, Joe Bob Briggs, and Ronda Shear on USA Network, and then Captain, what was his name? Cap that the other guy was on USA. Oh, Captain Lou Albano. No, I know who you're
2: talking about, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't remember his name though. I can't can't either. Yeah, Captain Captain Kangaroo.
2: There wasn't uh Stella, um, there was. Cream. uh, There was one out of Kansas City. I don't know. I got to sit back and go through my entire list because I think it was because of Elvira that I um, well, I grew up on one particular host out of Kansas City. Then there was Elvira. There's Joe Bob Briggs, etc. But Horror Hound kind of opened my eyes because Horror Hound has a horror host um, celebration. I think they do it Mm -hmm. every year. And, and you kind of go into the Horror Host Hall of Fame. But what surprised me, too, is that that sort of subgenre hasn't gone away either. So this time last year, because uh, one of my favorite things that um, Angel and I do is, you know, we have the Roku. But there's a bunch of independent film channels out there that do horror films. And so Housewife of Horror is one of the ones that we watch. They're out of uh, Aurora, Illinois. And... Um, they put on a great show along with Wayne and Garth, Wayne and Garth. But yeah, that, that whole genre is still alive and going strong. It's just, you know, with these different internet channels or Roku channels, et cetera. And it's tons of fun. So I'm fascinated with that. And there's, there's a lot of really good documentaries about it. And, you know, we're going to talk about Vampira, uh, the first horror host ever. So we're, you know, we're going to drop some knowledge on people on this subject.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully learn a lot myself
2: commander usa
0: commander uh, usa commander.
2: that's right yeah
0: he'd had the mask but he just kind of blue paint he painted around his eyes and yeah he was, he was like an to afternoon. fight him or sergeant slaughter host or something <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean I, here's what i'll say about horror host too they they turned me on to a lot of movies that's one of the great things about horror host for our generation they turned me on to a lot of stuff i didn't know existed because you couldn't before video stores and uh, you know, video books, books on you know about movies on videotape or whatever. You you couldn't find out. I mean, there was no IMDB. Yep. You had to just hear about everything word of mouth. So Yeah, that's a great
2: Elvira is interesting. I mean, we're I we, I don't know how much time we're gonna spend on it, but uh I don't know if you've finished with the the biography yet, Brad. I'm like I'm listening to the audiobook. I've got an hour left. I
1: haven't yeah, I haven't finished it yet.
2: She broke so many barriers for what she did. Uh, and the fact that she turned that character into a 40 plus year career, I I mean, at the end of the day, and, and she talks about this, you know, Halloween is now one of the most popular adult holidays and it's specifically because of her. So there, there, I mean, even articles like the wall street journal and stuff like that have kind of talked about a place in time where, Halloween made this transition, and it really—I didn't know this. It really kind of came down to about the time when Elvira made a deal with a Coors Brewing um, company. Oh, when she did
1: the those those commercials, I do remember. It was that,
2: but it was specifically the deal that she hit, and all of a sudden, you saw like this change in marketing and change of the beer industry as a result of her involvement.
1: Now everyone's dressing as a slutty nurse.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that biography is super interesting. She has a super interesting life. She's from Kansas too. So, you know, I can relate. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, I, I'm, I'm really excited about next week because I, I've always, she's so it, part of my childhood as well as the horror host thing. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about talking about that movie too. Cause it's uh it's a lot of fun for me.
1: And then wrapping up the end of the month, We will be doing a Halloween film, but not Halloween one or two. Doing Halloween three, season of the witch, which I'm excited about.
2: Oh
0: boy! Oh boy!
1: Yep. Okay.
0: That's a good. That's a good one. People don't like some people don't like it. Some people don't like it. Some people love it. I have a soft spot for it. It's
2: goofy as hell. I'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) It was the first (laughs) Halloween film I ever saw. Really? Yeah. It came oh, out in eighty two. I was born really... in eighty three. And so it was would, a little would be less. Nice. It was a little less than the first two. Okay. You know.
0: Right. So. That would make that would make going back and watching the originals very odd.
1: <laughs> I was like, where are all the masks? yeah' <laughs> Where's feel, all the singing?
2: I feel like that's <laughs> like discovering space balls before you discover Star Wars.
0: Yeah, it's well, kind of like I that. Mean, yeah. It could yeah. be, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, so I I found a viewfinder the other day. I had one, and I had a a Jaws disc.
1: See, kids, a viewfinder is (laughs) this thing where you... Shut (laughs) up. I knew exactly what he was talking about. Ask your dad. Yeah,
0: and I was looking through it, and I was looking at this Jaws. I don't know where it is. It's in here somewhere, and I was looking through this Jaws disc, and I remember thinking, that's how I saw Jaws at first. I saw it on a viewfinder. Oh, cool. Because uh, I I remember seeing the pictures and stuff, and then asking my parents if I could go, and they'd say, no, 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 no. I'd be like looking at it, and my dad was finally like, Let's just take him. He's never going to let us. He's not going to let us live it down. Let's just take him. I think, and then I was like, screw the water. I'm never getting in there again. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I think <laughs> Viewmaster is what they were called. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's how I first saw, what was it? Battle Beyond the Stars? Yeah. Roger Corman? Yeah, and I, I think I still have my Viewmaster in, in those reels somewhere. <laughs> now yeah. I I'm going to have to go dig those out.
0: Uh, it's crazy that a lot of kids our age grew up reading either Mad Magazine parodies of films that we didn't see or you know ViewMaster or comic books or anything not that you still can't do that i guess you still can but it, that they, they sold a lot of stuff to us kids that way
2: oh yeah hey my favorite was always the marvel comics adaptions of films so speaking of dune you know the new one coming out uh i think i read which the, i'm getting
1: ready to watch here in about 12 minutes
2: yeah i i think i read the marvel comics adaption of dune before i actually saw the david lynch
0: version Mm. i think i might have as well yep (sighs) all right
1: all right guys well next time my ipad just turned off i don't know what the episode what they're called but i said them earlier so we're gonna do those and uh yeah so thank you for joining us and we will see you next time
0: see you space cowboy (laughs) stay frosty